The sermon text is the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 14, verses 16 to 24. Jesus said to him, A certain man made a great banquet and invited many people. When it was time for the banquet, he sent out his servant to tell those who were invited, Come, because everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one told him, I bought a field, and I need to go and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I am unable to attend. The servant arrived and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house was angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The servant said, Master, what you commanded has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the servants, Go out into the highways and hedges and urge them to come in so that my house may be filled. Yes, I tell you that none of those men who were invited will taste my banquet. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Have you ever gone to a party that turned out to be not much of a party? It can be pretty awkward, can it? And it makes you feel kind of sorry for the host when they carefully plan a get-together, and then it fizzles because most of the people who are invited just didn't get together. You know the only thing worse than going to a party like that? is hosting one. If you host a party, there's almost like a minimum threshold of attendance, and if it's below that line, you almost start to wish that nobody at all had shown up, because at least then you would have been spared all of the embarrassments and the awkwardness. Probably we have all been there, either as a host, or as a guest, or both. Our Savior Jesus tells us today that God, our Heavenly Father, is hosting a party. More exactly, he is hosting a banquet in heaven. And God is not unlike us on this. When he hosts a party, he wants a lot of people to come. In the story, we hear what his goal is in terms of attendance. He says, so that my house may be filled. God wants this heavenly banquet that he is hosting jammed with celebrators. And it will be. The heavenly banquet will be full, not because everyone who is invited accepts the invitation. As we are going to see, most people do not. Most people turn it down. But the heavenly banquet will be full anyway because the heavenly Father, the host, keeps on calling until his banquet hall is full. Now, when Jesus tells this story originally, he is dining as a guest in the home of a Pharisee, and there are lots of other guests there too. You see, there's a little bit of an irony. As Jesus tells this parable, he is speaking to people who have accepted the invitation to dine in the home of a Pharisee, but at the same time, Jesus is speaking to people who are declining the invitation to dine at the heavenly banquet. And Jesus is telling them this story as a wake-up call. This story is meant to be a warning for them and as we'll see, there's also part of us that needs to take the warning of this parable to heart as well. But first, there is just an awful lot of wonderful news for us in this story that Jesus tells. And the first 
piece of good news in this story is just a statement made at the very beginning that you could very easily scan over and just rush into the story. But it's the statement that the master has prepared a banquet. And that is very good news for us. Our Heavenly Father has prepared the celebration of heaven. And how did he do that? What did God do to prepare heaven for us? Well, he sent his son to us in this world. Because God is holy. He hates sin. He will not allow sin anywhere in his house, anywhere at his heavenly banquet. To get in, you have to be perfect. The problem is we're not. We're born sinful, and then we keep on sinning, breaking God's commandments every day of our lives. So to fix that, God sent his own son into the world, and Jesus came with no sin at all because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and his mother Mary. And then Jesus lived his whole life with no sin at all. He kept all of God's commands down to the letter in every detail, every moment of his life. And the Bible says, you believe Jesus did that for you, you are clothed in his righteousness. You have the holiness you need to enter the celebration of heaven. And Jesus did even more than, more than that for us. After he lived that holy life, for us, he sacrificed it on the cross for our sins. The blood that Jesus shed washes away every spot and stain of our sin. So, we have the holiness, the sinlessness that we need to enter the heavenly banquet. And it gets even better than that. Because Jesus rose on Easter morning, we are going to rise for this heavenly banquet. And because Jesus will never die again, neither will we. We will be entering a celebration in heaven that will last forever. And it is faith in Jesus, what he has done, that accepts the invitation to the heavenly banquet. By the Holy Spirit's power, we do believe what Jesus has done for us to make us worthy to enter that banquet. We, by the Spirit's power, have accepted God's invitation, and we are on our way to the eternal celebration in the banquet of heaven. Sadly, not everybody does accept that invitation. Not everybody does believe what Jesus has done for them, including the people that Jesus is originally telling this parable to. They are just like the first three guys in Jesus' story who are invited to the banquet. Well, God had sent his son directly to the people of Israel. They were his chosen nation, but by and large, during Jesus' ministry, most of the people in Israel, he was right there doing the work to open up the banquet hall to them, and by and large, they simply did not believe it. They were like the first three guys in Jesus' story who hear the invitation and just turn it down. You notice all three of those guys have their reasons for not going. And some of them actually seem a little bit more reasonable than others, right? Like the guy who says he just got married seems like a pretty legit reason to, to skip a banquet, right? You're a newlywed. You have a celebration already probably set up. Then you have the guy who says, I can't go because I just bought a field. It's like, what? <laughs> so you didn't look at the field before you bought it. And let's say you did buy it sight unseen. It's a field. It's not going anywhere. It'll still be there after the banquet is over. And this is how it is when people turn down the invitation to heaven. They have all kinds of different reasons, and some of them seem even a little bit more reasonable than others. I was driving here to Trinity Recently, on, very early on a Saturday morning, scanning through the FM stations, I landed on a very prominent local preacher who comes on 
very early on Sunday morning, he was talking about this exact same thing in his sermon, and he chalked it all up to pride. He said people hear that gospel message of what Jesus has done to win heaven for them, and their heart is just proud, and they just say, I don't need a savior. I'm a good enough person. If there turns out to be heaven, I'll, I'll get in on my own merit. He chalked it all up to pride. And pride is a big part of it, but there are other reasons people turn it down too. You know, some people just don't believe that heaven exists. So if you don't believe that there is a banquet to go to, why would you bother with an invitation? But then you also have people like the ones in Jesus' story. They're not proud. They don't say, I'm too good for your little banquet. I would never go to your banquet. And it's not that they don't believe the banquet exists. They don't say, there's no such thing as a banquet. Don't bother me with your invitation. They're just too busy for it. They're just so wrapped up in everything that they have going on in this world that they can't be bothered to think about a celebration that comes later. And that's the way it is for a lot of people, too. They're just, they've got so much going on around them in this world, and they're so absorbed in it that they just can't bother themselves with thinking about the celebration of heaven. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, whatever reason a person has, and however they reject the invitation, rejection is rejection. No matter why, no matter how. Consider, a guy meets a nice young lady and asks her out on a date. And she replies, I wouldn't go on a date with you if you were the last guy on the face of the earth. You're ugly, your breath smells bad, you have the personality of a rock, get away from me, never talk to me again. That's a little rude, stings a little bit. So he waits a while, but then he meets another nice young lady and he asks her out on a date and she replies, oh, so wonderful and kind of you to ask me and you're such a nice guy. I'm just not interested right now. Now, the first rejection was nasty and rude. The second rejection was very polite and dignified, but the bottom line is the poor guy didn't get a date with either girl. And that's the way it is with the rejection of the gospel, too. Some people are very rude and nasty about it. Some people are very polite and dignified, but rejection is still rejection. And as Jesus makes clear in his story, the master of the banquet does not like it one bit when his invitation is turned down. At the end of the parable, he says... I tell you that none of those first three men who were invited will taste my banquet. But there is more good news for us in this story, and that is that when the master's invitation is declined by the first round of invitees, he doesn't sulk about it. He doesn't get depressed. He doesn't give up and say, oh, nobody likes me. I can't have a party. He refuses to give up. He keeps sending out messengers with the invitation, and he keeps sending them out until his banquet hall is full. And that is very good news for people like you and me. Then the master of the house was angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So when people reject the gospel of Christ, the invitation to heaven, as they were doing by and large in Israel during Jesus' ministry, the Heavenly Father does not give up. He keeps sending out messengers with that gospel, that good news of what Jesus has done, and keeps inviting people into his heavenly kingdom. And because he kept sending out messengers, and the good news of Christ kept being proclaimed, that's why we are here nearly 2,000 full years after Jesus first told this parable 
in the home of the Pharisee. Here we are on the opposite side of the planet. We have heard the invitation to heaven. We have heard the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And by the Holy Spirit's power, we have accepted the invitation and believed in our Savior. In this story, do you know what part we play? It's not very flattering, but it's true. We are the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. God has not called us and invited us to his heavenly banquet because we are spiritually wonderful, holy people. He has called us in spite of the fact that we are spiritually ugly, sinful people, and he has made us worthy in the work of his son, Jesus Christ. He is still calling, and he is going to keep calling until his banquet hall is full. Go out into the highways and hedges and urge them to come in so that my house may be filled. As believers in Jesus... We take joy away from this parable. We rejoice in the beautifully stubborn heart of our Heavenly Father who kept sending out the gospel message of our Savior Jesus all the way to us so that we are headed to the heavenly banquet. Now, besides taking away joy from Jesus' story, we can also take away a warning and an encouragement. The warning is this. The master of the banquet does not like it when people reject his invitation. It makes him angry. Now, you and I, we are believers. We have accepted the invitation to the heavenly kingdom. We have not outright rejected it the way that unbelievers do. But as long as we have sin inside of us, and we do, and we will, until we reach the heavenly banquet, there is always a part of us that resists that gospel message of Jesus. There's always part of us that hears that good news of what Jesus has done to open up heaven to us, and we meet it with divided attention, apathy, or a yawn. And that is both wrong and dangerous, because Scripture tells us that a little resistance to that gospel of Christ can grow into full-on rejection, as it has for a lot of people who used to believe in Jesus and no longer do. And scripture is full of warnings about this, and we shouldn't be so arrogant to think that it could never happen to us. So when the gospel of Christ is preached, be there to hear it. When the good news of what Jesus has done for you is taught, be there to learn it. Read it by yourself at home. Read it with your family, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, because that gospel message, that holy life Jesus lived for you, the death he died on the cross to take your sins away, that is God's personally engraved invitation to you to enter and celebrate at his heavenly banquet forever. There's also an encouragement for us to take away from this parable, and that is that apparently there still is room in the heavenly banquet. We draw that conclusion because judgment day has not yet arrived. So that means God is still sending out his gospel invitation to get into heaven. And do you notice in the parable, the master of the banquet never goes out in person. He never goes out to invite anybody face to face to his banquet. He's always sending out messengers to do the inviting for him. And for 2,000 years since Jesus told this parable, God has been sending out messengers with the good news of Jesus. Now, some people go out with a call as a missionary or a pastor or a teacher or whatever. But every Christian parent is called to extend that invitation by teaching their children about Jesus. Every Christian friend is called to extend that invitation to her friend. Every Christian is called to extend it by confessing their Savior. 
I'm sure that sometimes it seems a little repetitive and predictable. Probably you figure in just about every sermon you're going to hear, one, you should use the gospel, and two, you should tell other people about the gospel, what Jesus has done for them. But do you know there is a reason why you hear those two things over and over and over again? It is because they are textual over and over and over again. You hear them so often because they are an encouragement that the Spirit himself gives us so often in God's word. And he does it because there is only one heavenly banquet. There is only one way in, and that is through faith in our Savior Jesus. And there is only one gospel that God uses to create that faith in our Savior. And there's a bonus, though. The bonus is this. When you do what God tells you to do and extend that invitation to others, every time you do that, you are also going to be hearing it yourself again. And your own faith in Jesus will grow stronger too. Now, just as it was at Jesus' day, a lot of people are going to turn the invitation down, but there will always be others like us who by the Holy Spirit's power accept it. Thank God today that he has given you the faith to accept that invitation. Ask him to keep your faith strong and to make you a faithful messenger who invites others. Amen.